Hey, this is Josh Herrera, and I am so glad that you have joined us today. If you are a part of our Lighthouse Church family, we would love to connect with you via our social media at Lighthouse Church NC or online at lighthousechurchnc.org. We want to get you plugged into a connect group or on the dream team so that you are doing life together with people just like you. We hope you enjoy today's message and stay tuned for more announcements at the end of our podcast. All right. Join me in the book of John. We're going to go to the book of John, chapter 5, and we are going to continue with our series, New Year, Same You. New Year, Same You. And if you're wondering, you know, I think this church got it wrong. It's supposed to say New Year, New Me. The reality is, is that it's going to be the same you this year if you don't make lasting changes. And so what we've tried to do over the last couple of weeks is to give you some tools, give you some real practical handles on how you can make changes that will last so that this year will in fact be a new you. And so today in the book of John chapter 5, we're going to continue with what we've been talking about for the last couple of weeks. I've got a lot of scriptures to read, so hang with me for just a moment. We're going to start off on verse 1, and we're going to continue all the way down to verse 15. It reads as follows, And afterward, Jesus returned to Jerusalem for one of the Jewish holy days. Inside the city, near the Sheep Gate, was the pool of Bethesda with five covered porches. Crowds of sick people, blind, lame, and paralyzed, lay on the porches. One of the men lying there had been sick for 38 years. When Jesus saw him and knew how long he had been ill, he asked him, Would you like to get well? I can't, sir, said the sick man, for I have no one to help me into the pool when the water is stirred up. While I am trying to get there, someone else always gets ahead of me. And Jesus told him, stand up, pick up your sleeping mat and walk. Instantly, the man was healed. He rolled up the mat and began walking. But this miracle happened on the Sabbath day. So the Jewish leaders objected. They said to the man who was cured, you can't work on the Sabbath. It's illegal for you to carry that sleeping mat. And he replied, but the man who healed me said to me, pick up your sleeping mat and walk. Who said such a thing? They demanded. And the man didn't know for Jesus had disappeared into the crowd. But afterward, Jesus found him in the temple and told him, now you are well. So stop sinning or something even worse may happen to you. Then the man went to find the Jewish leaders and told them, it was Jesus who healed me. The last couple of weeks, I've had these titles, the lies we believe, the lies we live. And today I want to talk to you out of the subject, the lies God uses. The lies God uses. Close your Bibles and let's pray together. Father, we thank you for this day. And we thank you, Father, for all the incredible things that have already happened here in our service. We felt your presence in the worship. And we feel your, we feel your presence even now. And God, I just pray right now that you would anoint me, cover me, Father, with your presence. Because as these words go forward, they're just words. Without the power of your spirit, it doesn't get into people's hearts. So I just pray that you would open up every mind, you would open up every ear, that we would be willing to receive your word and allow it to be deposited deep on the inside of us. Because we believe, God, where there is seed, there will be fruit. And we want to experience all that you have for us. So meet us in this place. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Clap your hands one last time. You may be seated. We are talking about the lies God 
uses. There's a story of a young couple. They had just recently been married, and they're getting ready to celebrate their first Thanksgiving. How many couples remember your first holiday together? It's kind of special, huh? Maybe a little chaotic. Maybe a little bit of fighting because you wanted to figure out who you're going to spend time with. Anyway, another sermon for another day. But there's this young couple, and they're getting ready to celebrate their very first Thanksgiving. And um, the wife's duty was to prepare the ham. And so as she gets ready to cook this ham, she cuts off one inch on each side of the ham before she sticks it into the oven. And really confused by that, the, 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 the young husband asks his wife, why are you cutting the ends of the ham off? And she said, because this is the only way to cook a ham. You have to cut the ends of the ham off. Well, why do you have to do it that way? Because it's the way my mama did it. And then for all the married men in the room, you know when, my, when you hear that, how that'll sit with you, right? Because what my mom said, right? And so he's like, well, that, that still doesn't make any sense. Why did your mom do that? She said, you know, I, I don't really know. Let me call my mom and ask. So she picks up the phone and she calls her mom. She says, mom, um, I was cooking the, hus- the ham right now and, and I cut one inch off of each side of the ham like we always do. Why do we do that? And the mom says, because that's the only way that you can cook a ham. Really, but, but, but my husband wants to know, why do we do that? And she said, you know what, I really don't know, but your grandmother did that, and that's why I'm doing it. So, so, so my mom did it, so, you know, why don't you call your grandma and ask her? And now she's intrigued because she wants to like, go full-on investigative reporter and find out why in the world are we cutting off the edges of the ham. Picks up the phone, calls grandma, gets grandma on the phone. She's, hey, grandma, yeah, 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 we're getting the, the ham ready. And she asked her grandma, you know, um, I was preparing the ham, and I was cutting the, inch, the, the sides of the ham off, one inch on each side, and be, just before I put it in the oven. And my husband wanted to know, why do we do that? And I told him that's the only way to cook a ham because I asked my mom, and she said that's the only way to cook a ham. She said that's because you did it. So why is it the only way to cook a ham? And the grandma just started laughing. She said, baby girl, the only reason I cut the edges off of the ham is because it was too big to fit inside of my oven. If your oven's big enough, leave the sides back on. <laughs> and so, you know, that she, she puts the phone down. She looks at her husband, and, and, and it begins to settle. And, oh, I have created a truth out of something that really wasn't totally the truth. And I think that as funny as that story is, it really paints a picture of sometimes what we do. When we grab a hold of something, accept it as truth, and then when faced with real truth, say, no, 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 but it has to be done this way. And in this passage of Scripture in John chapter 5, I just read 15 verses to you. For those of you that are trying to read the Bible in a year, I went through a good chunk of your Bible reading plan today. But in this passage of Scripture that we just read together, this is exactly what's going on. Because Jesus is in town for the holy day. He's in Jerusalem. And, and, and what would happen is people of devout Jewish faith, whenever it was a big holy day, they would migrate back to Jerusalem. They would migrate back to their capital, if you will. It was their home. And, and, and Jesus was in Jerusalem for the holy day. Now, he does something very curious because while he's in town for the holy day, he decides to go and to hang out by the sheep gate. Now, this is strange because when it's a holy day, you typically go to the temple. You you don't come into town to go hang out at the Pool of Bethesda, but he went to go hang out there for some reason. And I think that the reason that Jesus did this is is because he's trying to show us something and trying to teach us something. So rather than go hang out at the temple, Jesus decides to go out of his way and hang out with the blind, and hang out with the lame, and hang out with the paralyzed people. And I want you to get that. Because of all the places he could have been, he intentionally went out of his way to where the sick and the hurting were. And the first thing that I want you to write down is this. Your brokenness does not disqualify you. 
Your brokenness does not disqualify you. There is a lie that God will only accept you if you have your stuff together. I can't tell you how many times I've heard that. I talk to someone and I say, hey, I've seen you come to this church. I've seen you lean in on worship, but I've, I, I know you haven't yet made a decision to give your life over to God. Have you thought about taking that next step? Perhaps maybe getting baptized and to say, pastor, when I am good enough and ready, that's when I'll make that decision. There is this lie that we have told ourselves that we can only go to God when we have all of our stuff Together, we buy into this lie that Jesus only hangs out with people at church on Sundays. We've bought into this lie that I cannot get into God's presence. I can't be with God. I can't make a decision to be a Christian until I am ready for change. But that's not the God that we serve. That's not the God that we serve. You see, he, he actually leaves the, the temple. He, he leaves church on Sunday in order to go to where the hurting people are. He leaves where all of the religious people are to go to where all of the broken people are. You see, he goes towards the castaway. He goes towards the marginalized. He goes towards the people that have been broken. Now, uh, some churches may not want to be associated with broken people. There may be really religious people who don't who don't want to be associated with broken people there might be politicians who say a lot of good things on tv but when it all comes down to it they may not want to be around broken people but broken people have never scared jesus I said broken people have never scared jesus and as a matter of fact jesus is attracted to brokenness he is, he, he is pulled towards brokenness. And I believe that Jesus comes to this place where all the sick and the lame and the paralyzed are. It's because he wanted to expose that lie. I think he said, what if I could use this lie and expose this lie and teach something about me that they, don't net, they do not yet know? So I am going to use this lie in order to expose more of who I am, more of my nature, more of my character to other people. Matthew 9, 12 says this when Jesus was talking to someone who was questioning his association with people who are broken. He said, when he heard this, Jesus replied, healthy people do not need a doctor, but sick people do. Healthy people do not need a doctor, but sick people do. The worst thing that you can do is in a period of brokenness, run from God. The worst thing that you can do when life is not going your way is to run from God, to run away from him. And some of you need to know that your brokenness does not disqualify you. I've seen that happen so many times with people. You know, Pastor, things just haven't been going well. I haven't been a good Christian, and so I'm not going to show up at church on Sunday. I'm like, that's the place that you've got to be more than any other place when things are not going well. you got to get to the church. And I don't know where the church became this place for polished Christians. And I don't know where the church became this place for crusty Christians. And I don't know where the church became this place for people who pretended like they are perfect. But there is no perfect person walking this earth. Do not let what they are wearing fool you. Do not let what they are saying fool you. We are all broken people. And the sooner you realize that you are broken, the sooner you can begin to attract Jesus to your life. When you try to front like you got everything together, that's when God's like, cool, you don't need me, I'm going to back off. 
I'll let you do your thing. How many know that that's the way God will operate? Because he's a complete gentleman. He is an absolute gentleman. He's like, okay, you want to do it your way? You want to do it at your pace? You want to try doing things on your own? I'm going to step back and let you do that. But there's something gravitational when you call out to God and say, God, I don't have it all figured out. God, I don't have it all planned out. God, in and of myself, I can't do it. But Father, I need you. That's the posture that every Christian needs to have. And when we meet someone, when we think, oh, my God, they are a broken person. They are a hot mess. They got all kinds of wilding going on in their life. They don't need to see your perfection. They need to see your brokenness. They need for you to be real with them and say, if you only knew the scars that I have, if you only knew the things that I've been through. You see, it's okay to lead from your strengths. But here at this church, we say you minister from your brokenness. You minister from your brokenness. If you only knew the things that God did for my God, if you only knew what God did in me in my life, if you only knew the things that God did for me, if you only knew where he brought me from, if you only knew. So your brokenness does not disqualify you, but rather it qualifies you. And I believe that Jesus went to this part of the city because he was there to expose the lies. He, he went to use the lie. God was using lies as an object lesson. Y'all know what an object lesson is? So anytime you bring a prop, and Jesus says, you know what my prop is today? Lies. You know what my prop is today? <laughs> Misinformation. Do you want to know what my prop is today? People who have been marginalized, people that have been the victim of racism, people that have been the victim of, of, of not having enough money, people that this world has deemed not good enough. Those are the people that I'm going to use, and they are going to be my object lesson because I want to show you that I am attracted to brokenness. And so he walks into that place, and he sees a man. And because he's God, he knows how many years he's been broken because the scriptures say there was a man there that had been paralyzed and sick for 38 years. All right, everyone under 38, raise your hand. Come on, let me see him. Everyone under 38. It's a good number. You're a pretty young church. Okay, not me. All right. <laughs> Turning 40 this year. Y'all help me. My wife said, do you want to do a party or something? I'm like, oh, you only do turn 40 once. Might as well. So we're going into the 40s with a bang. But, uh, Think about that for a second. For those of you under 38 years old, he's been sick longer than you've been on this earth. That's a long time to be sick. I mean, that's a long time to be sick. And, and, and Jesus, knowing how long he's been sick, he asks him this simple question. Do you want to get well? And I love what happens next. Do you want to get well? And the man says, I can't. I can't. Second thing that I want you right now, brokenness is often a label created out of a lie. Brokenness is often a label created out of a lie because he said that I can't. Imagine this for a second. He says I can't, and he has, and he begins to list the reasons why. I mean, he's got a good excuse. He really does. And, and he goes on to say these sorts of things to him. He says, I have no one to help me into the pool when the water is stirred up. And when I try to get there, someone else always gets ahead of me. You know what he was saying? He was saying is, I don't have anyone. Anyone ever felt alone before? Anyone felt like no one understood you? Anyone ever felt like you, nobody understood your problems? Anyone ever felt like you were part of a family, but yet you were the only person, and so you still felt alone? That's what this man was saying. He was saying, I don't have anyone. And then he says, I can't get to the water. I don't have access. Anybody ever felt like you didn't have access? 
I poured my soul out to some of y'all last week, and I talked to you about how there was rooms that I, that I was in, and I felt like I'm not sure if I'm supposed to be in this room. I don't know if I have the right access to be here. And then finally he says, and then there's other people that beat me to it. And so he lists all of these excuses. I don't have anyone. I don't have access. And other people beat me to it. And he's walking around and living in this prison of impossibility. And the God of the impossible was talking to him. Catch that for a second. He had all of these excuses and he told God, I can't, I can't, I can't. And the God of the impossible was looking at him, ask, looking at him asking him, do you want to get well? And I believe that's what it's like when we come to Jesus and we come to him in our brokenness. And we might come before him and list all the reasons why God can't do it. And God is saying, am I not the God of the impossible? Am I not the God of more than enough? Am I not the God who can break strongholds? Am I not the God who is the, the, who is the physician of all physicians? Am I not the God who can heal the sick? Am I not the God who can turn water into wine? Am I not the God who can raise dead people? And he's looking up at him and he's saying, I can't do it because I don't have people and I don't have access. And even if I think I can get there, there's people that beat me to it. You know what my big question is when I look at this? I'm wondering, then why are you there? Right? Think about that for a second. He's at the pool of Bethesda where people go to be healed when it's the right time of the day, when the waters are stirred up. But yet, even though he's there, he's saying to himself, it's never going to happen. You ever met anybody like that? Where they're always so pessimistic about everything? It doesn't matter what happens. It's always a bad thing. Hey, it's raining today. I hate when it rains in San Diego. Hey, it's sunny today. It's too hot when it's sunny in San Diego. It's like, what do you want? Um, and, and so here's this man who's sick and paralyzed, and he's there even though he's saying it's never going to happen. It's never going to happen. And, and, and some of you may, although your circumstances are different, you've accepted that lie that it's never going to happen. Not for me. It might ha happen for other people, but it ain't going to happen to me. It might happen for my cousin, but it's not going to happen for me. Because I was born on this side of the town. Because this is the color of my skin. Because this is who my daddy was. Because this is what I was a victim of as a child. It's never going to happen for me. And I believe that God is right there just looking at us wondering, do you want to get well? Do, do, do you want to get well? Because what happens is we start looking God out of the lens of our culture. We start looking at God out of the lens of our own experiences. And God doesn't have that lens. And God is not subject to your experience. God is not subject to your cultural upbringing. God is not subject to your social status. God's not subject to any of that. He just stands there and asks, do you want it? Do you want to be made well? And so we wear our labels and we live out our lives when we have complete access to the truth. Because Jesus said it this way, I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. Jesus said that. He says, you want a way? I'm the way. You want truth? I'm truth. Do you want to start living again? I'm life. So what would you like for me to do for you? How could I help you? See, Jesus introduces himself and says, this is who I am. I mean, I know about your circumstances. You're saying that, that you don't have what it takes. And Jesus is saying, but I'm the way. Some of you are saying, but the doctors have declared that this is my prognosis. And he's saying, but I'm the truth. I understand they gave you the facts, but do you want the truth? I'm greater than sickness. My name is higher than cancer. I can do exceedingly abundantly above all things that you can ask or even think of me. So, so he looks down and says, look, you want to live by facts or do you want to live by truth? 
And now that's hard. I know that's hard because we tend to think of our facts and think that they are the end all, be all. But where do facts come from? Facts originated from what God created. So anytime God wants to supersede a fact, he can because he created the fact because he's the truth. And the minute truth speaks, even though it contradicts a fact, when truth speaks, the fact becomes a lie because truth has superseded it. I said because truth has superseded it. When they say you're not good enough, just let God whisper in your ear, you are good enough. And that will supersede every negative word. When the doctor says you've only got a few more years to to live, let God speak to that thing because the truth will supersede that. I shared with you the story of my grandfather. They put him on dialysis. They said, you got two, maybe five years left with my grandfather. That man went for 15 years. Why? Because he was not subject to the report of the doctor. He subjected himself to the truth of God Almighty, and he lived much longer than any doctor said he should be able to live. Why? Because when faced with the facts, he chose to side with truth. And this man was listing out all the facts. Hey, you can only get healed when the water's stirring. Water's not stirring. Ain't going to happen. Hey, you can only get healed when you get into the water. And I'm not going to make it to the water because I can't even walk. I'm crippled. So I need someone to help me. I need help. I need someone to pick me up and to put me into the water. And Jesus is right there wondering, do you want to live by my truth or do you want to live by your lie? Because you can't live by both. You can't live by both, y'all. Either you're going to live by his truth or you're going to live according to the circumstances, but you can't live by both. And Jesus was saying, when you are done living in the lies, come to the truth. When? You are done. Has anybody gotten to that point where you just had enough? I've been there before. Did anybody ever prayed one of those prayers where you've had enough? I'm talking about when you gave Jesus some attitude. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Anybody have one of those prayers where you gave Jesus some attitude? I mean, you walked into your prayer closet and you had stank face. You know what I'm saying? Like, like you had just smelled something terrible. And you go into that prayer closet because you have had enough and you are going to wrestle with Jesus until you get what you want. I wonder if there's anybody in this room that can get a hunger and a desperation on the inside of them. Just like that, that says, it doesn't matter what is going on in my life and in my circumstance. And it may not look good, but if I can just get into the presence of God and hear a word in over my life and get a word over my situation and get a word over my circumstance, it's going to cancel every single lie. And some of y'all need to learn how to pray like that. Get into that prayer closet and say, God, I'm having an issue. And you know what? I got an issue with you because I need you to move right now. They're saying this about my son, but if you say something different, it'll change the whole circumstance. So I need you to speak. God, I need you to move because the doctor is saying, I have this condition. But God, if you speak, you can change the whole thing and rewrite the whole prognosis. So I'm not leaving this prayer closet until I hear a word from you. I'm not walking out of this prayer closet until your truth speaks to my lie. You know what I'm talking about? It's a hunger and it's a desperation that says, I am not settling for this label when I can go to Jesus and get the truth. I'm not going to live like this. I'm making a choice to be different. I'm making a choice not to go back to that place. And I believe that today, Jesus is saying the same thing. When you're ready to move on, let's move on, baby. When you're ready to move on, we can move on. But are you ready? He's looking at the man. Do you want to get well? I can't. I got all this going on in my life. And look at what happens. Jesus speaks the word to him. And he's healed. Last thing I want you to write down. Healing resides in truth and it exposes lies. 
Healing resides in truth, and it exposes lies. Because when Jesus told that man to stand up, he was saying that my truth is greater than your lie. You got all these reasons why you can't, but let me just speak a word. Stand up, pick up your mat, and go for a walk. I love the way Jesus did it. I mean, he just drops it like a gangster, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> He's just like, get up. It's kind of like me talking to my son in the morning. Get up, you know what I mean? Like, it's time to go to school, Dad. I'm tired. I want to stay home. Get up. And that's the way Jesus was talking to this man. He said, get up, roll up that mat of yours, and go for a walk. This man thought that he needed other people, and Jesus exposed that all he really needed to do was find his identity in him. Because this man was letting other people set all the definitions. If we don't carry you to the water, you can't be healed. Okay. You going to live like that? Are you going to let the opinions of other people define your life? Are you going to let the, de- the, the opinions of other people tell you what you cannot do? Come on, you got a choice that you have to make. You can either let other people speak lies into your life, and you can be a victim of negativity, or you can say, I'm not going to go that route. And, 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 and when you make it up in your mind that you're not going that right, you're going to start to cancel out the word of the enemy. And even if it feels like, but I don't see it. Everything that I see sounds a lot like what they are saying. Then you need to learn how to fake it until you make it. You know what I'm saying? There are times when you've got to live it out before you see it. You have to say it before you see it. You have to believe it before it becomes a reality. That's why it says we walk by Faith and not by. But I don't see it, Pastor Josh. If you saw it, it wouldn't take any faith to do it. And so what God will do is he'll hide that thing from you or make you wait a little while. But look through the lens of faith. And if you look through the lens of faith, you will see it. I, 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 wear, um, I wear corrective lenses. And, and so I wear contact lenses. And, and whenever I don't have my contact lenses on, I've got my glasses on. Um, and, 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 but when I, there's, there's times when I just get lazy and don't put anything on, you know, and I'm just like walking around and then, and, and I just don't see things like I should. And the minute I put those glasses on, it's like, now you can see everything. And, 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 and I believe that's what the lens of faith will do. This is why it's so important for you to get in your Bible. This is why it is so important to feed your soul. This is why it is so important for you to feed your spirit. Because what this does is it changes your vision. I said this thing changes your vision. The, the, the more you begin to become like Jesus, you see things differently. Do you know what happens when you begin, to, you begin to become more like Jesus? You begin to see like Jesus. Jesus looked at this man. He said, I see a whole man thinking that he's paralyzed. So I'm going to speak to this man and just declare it. And when we become more like Jesus, we begin to see like him. And so this man said, you know what? I can't do it because other people told me I can. Jesus said, look up at me and expose that lie, and I'm going to teach you how to find your identity in what I say. That man said that he needed access to the water, but Jesus exposed the lie of tradition. That, 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 the, the, getting him into the water was fine until Jesus showed up. That was fine until Jesus showed up. Let, let me hit on this for just a moment. Some of you medicate yourself on something which is fine until Jesus shows up. A lot of people come to church, and and, and the church is a hospital. But at some point, you realize, and what is exposed is the thing that you use, that the thing that used to medicate you was a counterfeit when Jesus shows up. So it's not all substance abuse. Some of you um, medicate yourself with um, how many likes you can get on social media. 
Some of you medicate yourself on the affirmation that you receive from other people. And so that stuff is a good counterfeit until Jesus shows up. Because when Jesus shows up, he exposes that codependency. When Jesus shows up, he exposes that substance abuse. When Jesus shows up, he exposes that insecurity. When Jesus shows up, he exposes your inconsistency. Not in a way, not in a way to judge you, but in a way to draw you closer to him. And he exposes those things. And trust me, when you get to the feet of Jesus and when he becomes all that you need, you realize that all those things that were a substitute could never take the place of Jesus. Nothing can ever take the place of Jesus. Come on, let's clap on that. This man said, this is the way it has to be done. Jesus said, no, it doesn't. I'm here. Do you want to get well? This man thought that the healing was only possible when the water was stirred. So it wasn't just that he got to the water, but he had to get to the, to the water when the water was stirring. And they would say that the tradition was that an angel would come and stir the water. And once the water was stirred, it was only then. You know what Jesus does? He shows up and he exposes the lie of religion. Because that's a religious mindset. Only when all of these circumstances are what they need to be, it is only then. It is only then when God can do it. And God is not bound by religion. He did not even come to earth to create religion. That's something that we did because we didn't know how to process that Jesus came to establish a way of life and to establish the church. But we do a lot of crazy things in trying to be like Jesus. And we established a lot of things that Jesus is like, you know, I didn't really have that in mind. I didn't really have that in mind. And Jesus was all about come, and religion is all about you better come correct. And Jesus isn't that way. He's never been that way. That's a lie. And Jesus walks into this area, and, 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 and he exposes this lie. Do you want to get well? Roll up your mat. Get up. Go for a walk, because I am not bound by when the water is stirred. I'm not bound by that. Do not handcuff Jesus and act like he is bound by the same things that you are bound by. Do we get bound by things? Absolutely. You can make some really poor choices and get yourself bound up into some bad things. But don't act like Jesus is bound by that. Don't act like God is bound by that. Don't act like you can't receive freedom from that thing. You can absolutely receive freedom from that thing. But you got to have the right lens. And don't let religious people tell you until you come correct. None of us came correct to Jesus. We don't get good to get God. We get God so that we can become good. And don't ever get that order reversed. Don't ever get that order reversed. God is attracted to your flaws. God is attracted to your brokenness. And I'm coming to a close now. God is attracted to the areas of your life where there is a deficit because he can come in and fill Every single one of them. He can fill every single one of them. You know what I love about this passage of scripture? Jesus puts the final nail in the coffin when he's having this discussion with this paralyzed man at the sheep gate. You know, during the holy days, during the times of holy traditions, Jesus comes and he really puts the final nail in the coffin of this lie when he told the man, pick up your mat and walk. And the reason he put the final nail in the coffin is because Jesus knew that it was the Sabbath. It wasn't like Jesus was, oh, my bad. I shouldn't have healed you today. I should have waited until tomorrow. I'm not supposed to heal you. It's the Sabbath day. If you're wondering, 
that doesn't even make sense. It, it, it really doesn't. But just know that in Jewish custom, on the Sabbath day, you couldn't do any work. So even though something like being healed is a, is a miracle, in it, is, is just a miracle, and you would think it's a God thing, the religious people were so religious that they thought, no, you can't get healed on this day. It's the Sabbath. And you can't pick up your mat because that's doing work, and you're not allowed to do any work on the Sabbath. So Jesus comes, and I think he puts the nail in the coffin because he tells him, get up. And listen, he could have just said, get up and walk away, and no one would have known anything. But he intentionally said, get up and pick up your mat. Because I think he knew, I'm going to just jab the religious folks right now. He knew what he was doing. Pick up your mat. And I want you to walk. I, did, I, I believe Jesus did it because he was busting the lie of religion. And to let them know that this law brought you up to me. But now that I am here, the law has been fulfilled. I am not bound by the law. I am not bound by your traditions, and I am not bound by your religion. I can heal anyone, anytime, anywhere, and nobody can tell me anything different. Get up. Pick up your mat. Go for a walk. And I, this passage of Scripture is like, uh, it's becoming like my new favorite passage of Scripture. Anybody read something, and you're just like, man, I didn't see it like that. But then I, you see it again. You know what I love about this is this guy had no idea who Jesus was. He had no idea because when he's carrying his mat, he's just walking around, you know, just kind of like walking around with his mat, maybe whistling, all excited because he's been healed. And then the religious people said, hey, hey, what are you doing with your mat? Oh, some guy healed me. Who? I don't even know, man. He just told me to stand up and pick up my mat. So I'm walking around with my mat. And they're like, you can't do that. You can't be healed on the Sabbath. And that's what religious people do. Always trying to bring you down in the face of what God has said. And God has declared this over your life. And God has said you are the head and not the tail. God has said I've placed you above things, not under things. God has said I've made you more than a conqueror. And, 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 and other people try to pull you down and say, hey, you can't do that. You can't do that. And I love this because they're probably like, well, who was it? Man, I have no idea. I mean, he looked like a rabbi, but his disciples, I mean, they didn't kind of look like the other disciples. Most disciples are polished, but his dudes kind of smell like fish. I think they're fishermen. They stunk. You know, and one of them, he looked like a tax collector. And you know we don't like tax collectors. We hate tax collectors. But the craziest thing of all is there was a doctor with them. Now, most doctors would not be hanging around with fishermen and tax collectors. So I, I don't know much about this guy, but he's a trip, man. He's a trip because his circle didn't even make sense. But when he spoke... All of a sudden, it erased all of the pain that I had felt all my life. I, I don't know much about this man, but, but just one word caused muscles to appear on these legs that had began to atrophy from 38 years of not being able to use them. One word and I got strength where it didn't even make sense for me to have strength and nobody had to come and teach me how to walk again. You would think that after 38 years of never having walked, someone would have to hold him by the hand and teach this man how to walk again. But just one word of Jesus, it'll put strength where you didn't know you had strength. One one word from Jesus and it'll make you walk and you're not going to need anyone to teach you how to walk. It's because the word came and did the impossible. The word came and it reversed the circumstances. The word came and it changed everything. And then when they said, well, show us this man, he looks around 
He's not here. I, I, I don't know where he's at. But, but if I find him, I'll tell you who he is because I certainly won't forget him. The Bible says that Jesus disappeared into the crowd because that's what he does sometimes. He'll just hang back and be like, yo, I'm going to hide. Like, you know, kind of over here. You know, just like chilling. Looking like baby Yoda meme. Anyway, that's another subject. He's back there hiding. And then finally he sees the guy later. And he says, hey, man. And the guy's like, yo, it's you. This is my version, okay? Jesus sees him. Hey. The guy's like, it's you. I, I need your name. They're asking me for your name. I don't know what to tell them. And who are these dudes? Are these your disciples? Because they don't look like they should be disciples. Because Jesus has always been into bringing people who the world says they can't be brought close. Jesus has always been around. Always been into bringing people who the world thought, well, they're just the riffraffs. They're just the castaways. They're the not good enoughs. They're the ones with baggage. They're the ones with problems. And Jesus has always said, no, 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 no. That's my circle right there. You fast forward a few more years, you know what they were saying about these guys? They'd walk into a city and the officials of a city would be so afraid because they said, here come the dudes that are turning cities upside down. It's in the book of Acts. You can check that. That's what became of these dudes. And so the guy's like, I don't even know your name. And Jesus said, look, man, now that you're well, stop sinning (laughs) or something worse is going to happen to you. Okay. You know, it's like real quick, like, yes, (laughs) that's what I got to do. Jesus is like, hey, yeah. Stop sinning. How could you sin when you're paralyzed? What do you think this guy was doing laying there by the water? Because Jesus told him, stop sinning. Did you catch that? Stop sinning. Like, what was he into, like, with his paralyzed self, you know? He was into something. Because Jesus said, now that I've healed you, knock that stuff off, okay? Or something worse will happen to you. That's wild. And finally, he catches his name, and this guy runs, and he tells all the religious leaders, hey, hey, it's this dude named Jesus. Is this dude named Jesus. He's the one that healed me. Is this dude named Jesus. At first, I didn't know his name. I didn't know anything about him. He hung around with this sketchy crew. What is Jesus? And I'm here to tell you, some of you are waiting until you know everything to take your next step in God, but don't wait until you know everything. You don't have to have it all figured out. God can visit you and change everything in your life. Stop thinking that you have to know everything because this man knew nothing. Nothing. And yet Jesus visited him and flipped his world upside down. And God used the lies to expose his truth because that's what God will do. He will use the lies in your life because he is the God who can change a lie with just a simple command. Stand up, pick up your mat, and go for a walk. Come on, let's lean in and pray. If this message has blessed your life, I want to encourage you to share this message with others. Or go online to our website and consider making a donation so that we can continue bringing you content just like today's message. God bless you.